Z1077 welcomes you to Up Close, a weekly public affairs program presented by Z1077 News. You're invited to call in with your questions and comments. Our call-in number is 366-8471. Now, your host for Up Close, Gary Danielle. Well, thank you, mystery announcer, wherever you are. And welcome to the Z1077 Up Close show on this brisk but beautiful January 5th, 2024. All week I was worried about saying 2023, but I got that 24 in there. The Z1077 Up Close show is a special presentation of Z1077 News presented in the public interest. Our producers, Michelle Alley, and our phone number for you to call and participate is 760 68471 and our guest in studio today i'm delighted to welcome back to z1077 we'll talk about that a little bit uh, music icon writer producer reporter all around devil may care flying fool derwood andrews derwood welcome to the z1077 up close show thank you very much gary it's great to be back we're delighted to have you here we'll, we'll talk about the be back thing in just a little okay. bit but first let's get to know uh, derwood a little bit uh, uh tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. I know you grew up in England, but what were your, uh, as, a, as, a, as a wee lad, uh, mm. how did Derwood grow up? Was, he, uh, was it a big family, small family, loving family, disconnected family? Tell us a little bit about what makes you tick, Derwood Andrews. It was a very loving family with absolutely no hugs or kisses, uh, which I prefer, uh, being English pretty standoffish you know shaking hands and hugging is not natural but I've been here so long that I hug and shake hands all the time but um yeah uh, I had a sister I have a sister I had two parents um that stayed together which was quite unusual and uh I felt very supported by everyone and had a beautiful childhood now, your childhood, uh, somehow you veered over into the music world. When was, when, when was that switch for Derwood? When, it, when did the, he decided he wanted a guitar in his hand and a, a stage under his boots? Well, at first I had a motorcycle between my legs when I was 12. And uh, I was a boy racer, and I did grass track and speedway. Okay. And that's how I got my thrills. Um but eventually all my mates had guitars and I wanted to join in and we'd hang out, you know, and pick up a guitar and try and figure out how they did this and they did that. And eventually we knew what we were kind of doing. So you started out with the kids' garage band, basically. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't... I mean, obviously I had heroes like Mick Ronson and Jimmy, of course. But... Um, there was never a serious attempt to emulate them or follow that path up until I reached 16 where I had to sell all my motorcycle stuff because I had to join the seniors and we couldn't afford that because you had to upgrade everything. And I, my dad said to me, look, we can either do that, you can be a professional speedway rider or you can have a guitar. And, uh, what a choice. Yeah. To be a professional motorcycle racer or yeah. a guitarist. Yeah. yeah. And uh, At least he gave you a choice. He did give me a choice because yeah. we couldn't do both. And whether it was a good idea or a bad idea, I chose the guitar and uh, pursued that as a hobby, but very shortly found myself in a professional band called Generation X. Well, tell us how, how that happened. There was an interesting transition into how you found your way into Generation X. They kind of found you. Yeah. Uh, Billy came to our... And by Billy, you're talking about Billy Idol. Billy Idol yeah. came to our first and only show. <laughs> uh, and the garage band finally got a gig? Yeah. And yeah, it, yeah. it still wasn't serious. Um, yeah. You know, we kind of realized that we sounded a bit light and somebody pointed out well you don't have a bass player oh so oh. we got so we got a bass player and we sorted out this we had a little place we rehearsed at called the Fulham Art Centre and uh, it was basically a church crypt and we lived there and um, somebody said we should put on a gig here it's big enough you know we've got a stage so we did that and uh, it was 
the night after the Sex Pistols appeared on national TV swearing and causing a big ruckus on December 3rd, 1976. And that was in Britain? In Britain. Yeah. Um, we played December 4th, 1976, <laughs> and everyone who's watched TV thought we were a, a new punk band. The name was Paradox. I guess it could have been a punk band. Uh-huh. And so all these punks came to our first gig where we had three songs and two of them were Johnny Be Good. You know, <laughs> we, we weren't serious. But um, I must have impressed Billy Idol enough. And don't forget, Billy Idol was just a kid. He wasn't Billy Idol. No, he was just a, a, he, another... another. He uh, was William Broad. Another British know. lad like you with a guitar in his Exactly. Yeah. Um, and he said, come to an audition tomorrow if you want. And I said, okay. So I did. And I pulled out a Chuck Berry guitar solo and they said, okay, you're in. And from that moment on, for about six months, it, it was the most glorious adventure because, um, you know, all good things come to an end. And unfortunately, the wonder of punk rock kind of came to an end when everyone started getting record deals and became an investment for the corporations that's when it really ended for me and uh but the first six months was a crazy time very violent very exciting for a 17 year old well, tell me a little bit about this 17-year-old out on tour with his new punk rock band. Uh, some interesting venues, uh, uh, and you mentioned some violence? Some violence. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, we were one of the best-looking, uh, best-playing punk bands, and we were kind of ostracized by the other uglier bands. <laughs> and... It started a whole thing of like, we weren't very much liked by anyone. And I guess there was a lot of um, teenage cults like Teddy Boys, Skinheads, Punk Rockers. Um, I can't think of any more, but that was an oh, bike gang. And they had the hardcore fans. Hardcore fans. Now, all we actually united these separate groups in the hatred of us. <laughs> So every and they hated you because you were too slick, too good looking. Yeah, too, exactly. Too well dressed. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we'd be at a gig and there'd be a whole bike gang doing the security in front of the stage, and their girlfriends would be looking up at Billy in awe. <laughs> and of course, the bike, the bikers were like, um, they'd come up on stage and punch you in the face <laughs> because their girlfriends were looking at you. Oh God. Or throw a bottle or a chain or yeah. something. Yeah, it was terrifying. So, yeah. the, so it was, it was the guys there doing security that were the biggest danger to the band. Pretty much, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, 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 I mean, I got bottled uh, at least once, and and everyone got uh, kind of physically attacked at one time. Um, and for a shy seventeen-year-old, that was quite a lot to deal with, you know. Your uh, background then, you found yourself a Fender Stratocaster. And has that, has that been your, your go-to since? Well, most punk bands of that era were using Gibsons uh, with humbuckers, and the sound was very forgiving for someone who couldn't play. It was very scuzzy, and it, it did the job, and it covered up your mistakes. So I didn't need that. I wanted a guitar that could express myself um, in the way that Jimmy and, you know, Rory Gallagher and Robin Trower and all my heroes were using Fender Stratocasters and I eventually persuaded the others that I should get that. And I think everyone's glad I did because it, it, the sound of Generation X is based a lot on the Fender Stratocaster because it, it stood out from the other bands. So a, a brief but memorable stint with Gen X. Well, three years. That, yeah. It wasn't so brief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, you talk about the six-month tour, but then... Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, then as we became successful, I kind of shied away from that. 
let's play a bit of, of music for you. We've, we've got, we've got. So you gave us some cuts. I want to get some in here. I want to mm. play. Uh, I believe this is called "These Things." All these things. All these things. And let me find it here. Um, tell us a little bit of background. And this is from the band Empire. Right. Um, Empire was the band that I started with the Generation X drummer after we had left Generation X. And um, we just wanted to make our music, write our songs, and be free of um, what were older people. You know, the other guys in the band were four to seven years older than us, which is a huge difference when yeah. you're 17. Yeah. It's like a whole generation. And uh, so we were so pleased to have our own... This is one of the first songs I wrote. Is okay. it? I always get that confused. Written or wrote? Uh, either. Yeah. No, whatever, whatever works for you. So. so this is one of the first songs that you actually wrote. Yeah. And the name Generation is pointing out the fact that you were younger than the other musicians. Uh, Empire was the name of the band. Empire was the name of the band. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's, let's hear Generation by Empire. No, no, no. Uh -huh. All These Things. All These Things. By Empire. By Empire. Uh, with Derwood Andrews on the Stratocaster. And singing. Here we go. This is quite interesting. Oh, sorry. Um. No, you're okay. That bring back some memories, Derwood. Yeah, very good memories. Very good. Now you, you, that song, uh, when it was recorded, never really got many legs, but since has become uh, uh, almost iconic. The whole album. We only did one album. Um, 
the whole album, which was called is called Expensive Sound, has become it. It became a blueprint for a whole movement on the East Coast in Washington D.C. in particular, uh, with bands like Rites of Spring and uh, uh, well Henry Rollins and Ian McKay sing high praises of it and it and uh yeah it's just unusual and and it says to me that whatever you do as long as it's done with soul and authenticity and joy it doesn't matter if it's successful at the time it exists and maybe one day someone will discover it and it will be useful to them and as, that happened. As they're coming up in, in their yeah. own bands. Yeah, yeah that happened. Yeah. All right. Derwood Andrews, yeah. we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be back with more on the Z1077 Up Close Show. I'm Gary Danielle, our producers, Michelle Alley. And our phone number for you to call and participate is 760-366-8471. We will be right back. A trip to the pharmacy should be easy. That's why so many people choose a local community pharmacy instead of a big chain, like Star Pharmacy in Joshua Tree. It's easy to get in and get out with your medications, and they offer one-on-one health-related advice. They get to know their customers and can help manage medications and check for any interactions. Star Pharmacy offers a wide range of over-the-counter supplements, plus durable medical equipment like walkers and wheelchairs. Star Pharmacy, Holly Road, across from the post office, Joshua Tree. And we are back with the Z1077 Up Close Show. I'm Gary Digneau, the host, our producer, Michelle Alley, and our guest in studio today, music icon, Bob Derwood Andrews. Are you used to being referred to as an icon, Derwood? Uh, more of a trinket. <laughs> okay. But I'm happy with that. Tell us about the name Derwood. That was not your given name. No, it was uh, when we first started punk bands, everyone had silly names like Billy Idol and uh, Johnny Rotten and so on. And everyone decided Bob Andrews was kind of boring. And they did talk about uh, calling me Bob Christ, but um, Bob Christ. Yeah, I I wasn't really into that, and <laughs> somehow Durwood came up, and it was like, yeah, I'll be Durwood. Yeah. Is there a meaning to Durwood, or just uh, somebody came up with it? Pretty much bewitched. It was from that TV show, Darren. Okay. The mother-in-law always called him Durwood to uh, oh, mess him up. Okay, bing. Yeah, All it, right. it was just part of the culture. Fun, yeah. and you've been Derwood ever since. I love it, yeah. 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 Okay, so after uh, Generation X, mm. uh, you formed a band called Moondog. Tell us about that. Uh, those pieces. Well, I, I'm kind of skipping over the most successful thing Oh, well, then let's, let us not. Yeah. No, no, we yeah. should, because yeah. I didn't put any of this music here, but I, I had a band called Westworld who were pretty successful in Europe and after that I kept working with the uh, lead singer Elizabeth Westwood and we we actually moved to the Arizona desert and took a lot of influence from the locals uh, in as much as uh, slide guitar desert vibes very similar to here um, small town called Cave Creek. Now what made you make the move from uh, from the UK to the US, especially the desert? Because we had a record company with millions of dollars that wanted to get rid of it and we said, well we can help you with that. <laughs> Send us to the New United States and we found a house, a Frank Lloyd Wright house uh, just north of Cave Creek and we stayed there for three years and made music and had a blast nice mm. so i'm gonna back up just a little bit uh so y- you were playing with billy idol mm-hmm. okay when did that rift happen when did you decide that you didn't want to do that anymore uh i left twice the first time i left may 1979 and i was asked to come back to complete a tour of japan and i said okay um, so I did, but I couldn't take it anymore. I, I just felt so out of place. Um, everyone was drifting off into superstar, or in their minds, super, you know, all that. And I've never been into that. I, like I say, I'm a trinket. I'm not an icon. Well, you're a musician. Yeah. So as a, and a musician who is an artist. Uh, yeah, I'm an artist. Stays, stays 
true to yeah. themselves. I, I, I find it really sad that people who once were creative minds that got them to a certain point um, lose all that creativity and are quite happy to repeat, repeat, repeat and sell T-shirts. I, say, I find that sad. You know, I've often uh, said publicly, I've, I've uh, bemoaned the, the change from music from an art to a product. Yeah, yeah. So, it be, you know, it starts out as an art and becomes a product. Mm. And then you get big money involved. Yeah. And you're going to keep producing that product. Yeah. But Derwood didn't want to do that. No. I, I tasted it and I spat it out. But you went back twice. So the first time you went back, you did this tour? Yeah, I did the tour, and I, I promised that I would carry on with the album and uh, on one condition, that all the songs were written by all four of us. And unfortunately, they reneged on that verbal agreement. Uh, and Dancing With Myself is now a rock classic that um, I claim I wrote as well. But you, you never got any money. But you didn't get your name on the label. No. Yeah. No. Okay. So that was that was sort of the bottom line. That yeah. That yeah. that's a tough thing to get over. So you, know? you moved to uh, Parker, Arizona, uh, with the band Westwood. Cave Creek, Arizona. Cave Creek, Arizona. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't know where Parker came from. Uh, and uh, t tell us a little bit about that band, and then we'll set up. I've got a cut here called uh, "For God's Sakes." Mm -hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about the cut and how it came to be. Um, like I said, we were influenced by our surroundings, and it was so new to me. It was so cinematic and wonderful. Because when I was a kid, I used to watch Gunsmoke and think, this is not real, you know, this is all phony. Um, and to find out that it is actually, it's history of this wonderful country, the Wild West. Uh, I was amazed and I uh, soaked it up like a sponge, just the whole vibe. Um, and we came out with this record. Well, let's, let's hear it. Here, yeah. here, here it is from, uh, from Moondog, uh, for God's sakes. Did you write this? Yes. Okay, from by Derwood Andrews. His yes. name's actually on the label. Yes. Yes, okay. <laughs>
My goodness, that's a, a sea change from the 17-year-old the Stratocaster on the on the stage in Britain with bottles being thrown at him. Absolutely. To playing, was that a pedal steel guitar I heard? No, it was a dobro. A, a what? A dobro. dobro. Tell, tell me what a dobro is. It's uh, It's got a metal, it's an acoustic guitar that you play like a normal guitar, but it's got a metal cone um, for projection of sound and it's got that sound of uh americana so so derwood andrews goes from punk rock to uh, to rockabilly <laughs> not rockabilly uh more more Amer- americana americana vi- yeah. vibe music yeah. um and to me it's not unusual to follow a path you know you find something you hear something you like and you think well i could do that and Sometimes you do it better than what you heard. You know? And it goes back to uh, what you said uh, a few minutes ago about not doing the same thing over and over again just to get the paycheck. Exactly. Yeah. So an artist stretches themselves. An artist sees new things. An artist wants to do new things, wants to learn new things, wants and to accomplish new things. And has to love what you do. You know, there's a lot of artists that freely admit that their successful projects they hate. Now, when did uh, Derwood Andrews make the jump from um, from uh, Arizona to Joshua Tree? What brought you to Joshua Tree? Well, unfortunately, we ran out of money. In oh, uh, that whole run out of money thing. Yeah, yeah the yeah. record company went bust after giving it all to us. Well, good. And uh, <laughs> and we had to go back to London. And actually, that last track was recorded in London uh, with the arizona vibe um and then i was i fell so much in love with the desert and the harshness of the environment that i had to come back and it took everything i had uh and selling everything i had to be able to come back first to los angeles where i my other skill in life was motorcycle riding. Well, you, uh, you're a dirt track racer at 16, so... Right, so yeah. I came back and uh, I was a courier, a motorcycle courier in Los Angeles for a couple of years, which was the worst, most unfunny job. Oh, I can imagine it was dangerous I, job. The traffic, it was, it was nuts. Well, the, the and life... you're on a motorcycle. The life expectancy was two and a half years. Um... I did two years and I could feel it coming and a couple of buddies actually did bite the dust um, so but I managed to save up enough money to contemplate coming out here during those years when you were a motorcycle carrier in yeah. Los Angeles were you doing any music or yeah oh yeah yeah okay. yeah what were you doing uh Moondog and I was doing, we were in an alternative country band called Speed Twin with my buddy. Um, we did that for a good four years, yeah. And that, that was fun because it was slide guitar. Um, I, I'm reading a little bit about the Speed Twin here. Glenn Matlock was known as a rat scabies. <laughs> How'd that get in there? Oh, I don't know what that. Okay, well, that that's two people that I've worked with. Yeah. Okay. The oh, this Rat Scabies is a guy. <laughs> that's his name. Yes. Okay. That's a tough name to have. The so drummer were, from the Damned. You, you were working with with him. Yeah, I've worked with Rat all my life. Yeah. Then, so you saved your money being a motorcycle courier, mm-hmm. and you moved to Joshua Tree. Well, at first we used to come out. To get away from Los Angeles and the smell, we used to come out to Pappy's when uh-huh. it when it was Pappy and Harriet's proper. Yeah, and we used to stay in the motel across the way and have a wonderful weekend of drinking and walking between the hotel and the bar and just escape and those beautiful rocks out there and you know it was a dream. Um, and eventually, after coming out here for a good two or three years, we looked at the real estate out here and said, you know what, I think we could actually afford to get somewhere here. Which we did, me and my wife, Steph. Well, tell, uh, tell me how you met your wife. In a bar in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, the best place to meet any wife, I guess. <laughs> um, 
uh, yeah I mean we we just hit it off actually I was looking for a gal with a car that could get me back to Arizona and uh, she did have a lovely car and she was a gal and you ended up marrying her and a couple of years later yeah. um, I just said what would you say if I asked you to marry me and she said is that a proper proposal or what uh, but yeah she said yeah and we we did it that's 25 years ago congratulations 25 years mm. well i've met your wife and she's a lovely woman she's the best yeah and and very very smart very smart except too smart for me good yeah. judgment except in her her choices <laughs> choice of men yes so, yeah i, I agree <laughs> so, you, so you moved to joshua tree yeah now sometime after that move in joshua tree you and i met yeah and in fact derwood worked here as a reporter for a couple of years for these 1077 right. assignment reporter David Andrews yeah, yeah. yeah. and and I, I remember I think one of the most enjoyable experiences of that was when we sent you out as a reporter to cover a combined armed exercise at the 29 Palms Marine Corps base yes tell us a little bit about that experience for you Here's well <laughs> I, I can't tell you everything but I can tell you that I spent 15 hours there with the Marines on uh, what was it called in October they do the something shield yeah it's 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 a combined armor yeah. yeah and it was incredible and just gave me so much respect for what those young kids have to go through um, and I got to ride on top of a seven ton vehicle all the way back to base yeah. and and uh, yeah I mean it was amazing but also you let me interview the CG yeah. once, yep. and that was incredible. You know, what an honor. How many Englishmen have been let into the Marine base to <laughs> interview the commander? Well, it, it was a, it was a, you did a great job because it had very interesting context to it. Uh, as being a a, a, a British, mm. you know, and of course at that time you weren't known as a musician; you're known as a reporter. Right, right, and, right. You know. No, it's in, uh, and the fact that you put me through school, yeah, for six months here um, to be able to do that, I learned so much. Not only from you about the radio business, but about myself too. You know, I can pull out some self-confidence when I have to. Well, and you're also a, a gifted writer. You may not, you may not recognize that in yourself, but you have a gift for writing. Well, I tell you what, there is a huge similarity between writing a three-minute pop song and a one-minute news story. Um, it's very similar, and recording it too. You know, you've got, you've got the same strictures on it. Yeah, you've got. It has, to be, a, has to be a certain time. Yeah, it has to be a certain. You have to have a great beginning. Yeah. A, a good end and the middle has to be informative and entertaining and that's the song you know so derwood andrews moves to joshua tree goes to work for the local radio station but he's not done doing music uh, i got a cut here called uh coyote coyote yeah let me move it into where i can play it and tell us a little bit about it um my dear wife stephanie purchased for me a lap steel guitar now that is a guitar similar to a dobro except you play it flat on your lap with a slide now and she just said it's something you might be interested in or here try this or i think i saw it in a local shop and she saw me ogling it going oh that's nice and uh Lo and behold, for my birthday, I believe, there it was. And it sat on the wall for a good few weeks before I thought, well, I should, rather than just look at it, I should do something with it. And I started messing around, and it, it's just so different from playing guitar. Yeah, it, it's totally different. No frets. It's all, it's just different. And um, I came up with this song, Coyote, and, I, and this was the the start of five or six albums that I've put out. As Tone Poet. As Tone Poet, yeah. Right. Here is Tone Poet and Coyote.
It is a fascinating instrument. It sounds like you're having a ball with it. It's uh, also known as the Hawaiian guitar. Okay. So it's got a bit of that Hawaiian vibe to it. Yeah, it's, it's, got, that, it's got that little pedal steel thing going on. It no, yeah, no pedals. Yeah, but, but still, it's still. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so you became tone poet. Yeah, it, I picked it up somewhere, the, the two words, and I thought it, could apply to um, the the sound I'm making, you know. And uh, you're, you're still recording with that. I have done so far six, five or six uh, albums. Um, so yeah, like fifty, sixty songs. And really, I'm still looking for an audience for it, um, which is fine, because uh, I make music for myself more than other people. Uh, I make it because I don't hear it anywhere else, so I have to do it. And like I said before, you make something exist, and eventually someone's going to pick up on it. And I don't really care how long it takes. I mean, Empire took 40 years. Um, I might not be here when someone picks up on Tone Poet, but music is forever, and that's what I, that's why I love it. We're going to take a quick little break. We'll be back with more of the Z1077 Up Close Show with our guest, uh, Derwood Andrews, uh, after these brief messages. Treat your taste buds to the King's Hawaiian Pork and Slaw Sandwich. Back for a limited time at Firehouse Subs. Slow smoked pulled pork, melted pepper jack cheese, and sweet and tangy slaw on a toasted King's Hawaiian roll. Make it a meal by pairing it with their new tropical cherry limeade, a blend of pineapple and cherry with a squeeze of fresh lime. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide much-needed life-saving equipment to first responders across the country. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. In the Home Depot Center, Yucca Valley. It's flu season. According to the CDC, respiratory viruses such as COVID and influenza are expected to surge this winter. These illnesses can be very serious, especially among those at higher risk for severe illness, such as older adults, infants and young children, pregnant people, and those with a weakened immune system. Immunizations protect you from the worst of COVID and flu. Don't wait. Get your updated vaccines today. Morongo Basin Community Health Center, a program of Morongo Basin Healthcare District. This is Cody Joseph from The Morning Show with Cody and Jeff. Sue's Health Foods is a regular stop for me. I can get staples there that I can't find at the grocery store. Everything from booch to nooch, as Jeff likes to say. Cashews in bulk, miso paste, local honey, and sweet treats for my kids. They really like the fruit chews from the bulk bins. The bulk bins are probably our favorite part of the store. And the employees are always so friendly and helpful. We couldn't make half the recipes we love without the ingredients we get from Sue's. 
My family has been shopping there for years, and the quality and care we have gotten has always been top-notch. I love going there, and I love supporting a local business that has given so much to our community for so many years. And we are back on the Z1077 Up Close Show. I'm Gary Dino. It's 1047. Our guest in studio today, Dirtwood Andrews. And uh, Dirtwood, uh, so we've been kind of following your, your career from, from the olden days, your, your breath with fame, which you decided you didn't want. <laughs> yeah. Or was it the fame you didn't want or the trade-off uh, that you didn't want, the commercialism that you didn't want? A bit of both, really. I've always... I've always wanted to be on the outside of things. I'm not a very big club guy, you know, um, and I enjoy my own company, uh, and I love dogs, and I love guitars. And and motorcycles. Uh, yeah, is, is although, right? I'm actually thinking of uh, getting rid of all of those. I, I think 50 years of riding with no serious consequences is, is good enough. You and me both, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking a little easier on the old Triumph these days. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the reason I, br I bring that back up again is during these years, while, while, you were, while you were changing and exploring and learning, there was, a, there was a, occasional reunions. You were still brought back every once in a while. Uh, to, to extol some of the virtues of Gen, Gen X and that kind of stuff. So you still have that strong background. I did one uh, reunion, a brief six-song reunion in London in 93 because I was, um, at, the, at the time I was in Arizona and they paid for me to go home, paid for me to play, well then, why paid not? for me to go back, and I yeah. thought, well, why not? I'll give it a go. But um, on reflection, I will never do that again because it was like stepping back in time to a, a bad situation. You know, people don't really change that much, um, and I, I just didn't need that in my life. Um, and that they're carrying on with other other people now anyway. So you know, I, I'm pleased to be irrelevant in that situation <laughs> do you get a, a lot of contact uh from uh, uh, other other media uh, rock magazines historians do you, are, are you still fielding sort of that experience the funny thing is that this is my sixth interview in about eight weeks really yeah huh. and i don't know why because um well i'll tell you why i called you I, I was uh, reading somewhere that you've come out with a new a new Tone Poet album, ah. and I thought, you know, I should have Do uh, Derwood come in and, well, and talk about his background and, and talk about this new this new album. It's I've suddenly realised the the benefits of publicity, um, <laughs> because as an artist, um, independent artist, I get to see all my analytics. You know, like how many listens this week and all right, that. and after something i did a interview about empire and all of a sudden from 12 plays a week it went to four and a half thousand nice and then of course what follows that is the paycheck a few months later and so i suddenly realized after 40 almost 50 years <laughs> in the business publicity is a really good thing you just figured that out <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, my wife said, "Duh." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you're recording as tone poet. Are you, is it picking up more steam? You said I haven't quite caught yet, but you're still recording it. I can't, I can't leave it alone. Um, and like I said, I still think there's an audience out there that need to discover it but it's very hard to be discovered these days it, it's not like there's a lot of content and oh yeah. man and and unfortunately tongue poet which i came up with the wonderful record label uh, blue note also came out with a series called tongue poet uh, uh, and it uh, has sunk my presence on the internet down to nothing because if you search tongue poet you'll come up with blue note 
and nothing else. Have you talked to them and said, hey, can we work this out? Hell no, uh-huh. no, no. I mean, it's Blue Note Records. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare speak to them. You know? Well, you know, the fair is fair. Uh, it's not their fault. It's they had the same idea as me, and they're much bigger than I am. So there you go. You know. But you're still recording. I'm still recording, and this next song you're going to play. Uh huh. And like I said, all good songs and all good stories have a great start, a great end, and hopefully interesting middle. And if you can make the end go back to the start, you've got, a, in my mind, you've got a good story. So I got in contact with an old buddy from the punk days called Andy Blade. Now, he was the lead singer in Eater, a very well-known punk band in England. And uh, I just said to him, we should make a single out of the blue. And he said, okay. So, <laughs> so with, the, with the beauty of sending files to each other these days um we come up with this record and uh i love it and it's actually it's out as a a download in february it's going to be released as a part of an album in the uk so this is out is uh as a download now how does one get the download you just search um Whatever it's called. What's it called? It's called You're Strange. You're Strange. Yeah. You search You're Strange by Andy Blade and Buddies. And I must say this. Um, the guitar solo in it, which I furnished, was voted, and I don't know who voted it and who cares, <laughs> but I've got to say this, was voted the best guitar solo of 2023. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's hear it. Okay, maybe maybe we'll all agree. So here is uh, You're Strange with uh, Andy Blade and Buddies, and you're the Buddies. I'm one of them, yeah. Now, when you're, you said file, you weren't in the same room when you recorded this? You no, did, you different, no. Different tracks? We wrote this together, and he and I are very much not collaborators. We're very precious about what we do. So it's a real victory that this came in. Oh, well, let's hear it. You're strange with uh, Andy Blades and his buddy Derwood Andrews.
You're strange. Uh, interesting synergy there. Kind of old Durwood and new Durwood kind of mixed together. We, we, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, you know, I've, I've felt the, the rock guitar there at the same time. I, I felt was it, was that a string section? A string section and uh, a lovely girl vocal mixed in with Andy's vocal and uh, just a beautiful thing to con- reconnect with someone from the past who I met a few times didn't really know him and just throw an idea out there hey we should make a single all right I got to catch up a little commercials we'll come back with the final portion of our show if we have time 